Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. Today's podcast episode coming to you over the bye week, the Tuesday without a game, and that's a good thing we have an extra week because I got to cover that Bills from a week ago. I was in Atlanta for work and didn't have a chance to touch on this game. The New York Jets beat the Buffalo Bills 20-17, to beating Josh Allen and what most people thought was a vastly superior Bills team. And the Jets did it in epic fashion, a great comeback victory. It was absolutely incredible. The team is 6-3. and three. Last time I was recording a podcast, I was talking about how the Jets probably didn't have a snowball's chance in hell of winning this game. But here we are at 6-3, and three, currently, after this most recent week's slate of games, with a better, well, better position in the division than the Buffalo Bills, as they lost, and we have the tiebreaker currently with the head-to-head matchup. Mm. What a freaking game. It was not the week to miss. I wish I didn't have to go away for work. wish I could have done this podcast last week. Don't worry. The energy is still there for this team, and uh, we got a really big week next week against the Patriots this this week in like five days. It's going to be a really, really big game, and I'm really looking forward to that one. A little bit of revenge, hopefully, on the horizons. we got a lot to talk about in this one. It feels like, I mean, the Jets haven't played in like nine days. No, it feels like a lifetime. Just like reminds you how bad the offseason is because it just nine days feels this long. Imagine waiting like four months again, which is going to happen. It's uh, tough to make it through, but I'm excited for the bye to be over. As much as it is helpful to get your players back to start like working through some injuries, rest up a little bit, have an extra week to game plan against the Patriots or whatever team you're playing out of the bye, it just like sucks as a fan to have to wait and watch other teams play when your team is doing really well. It's just like, just get us back out there. I want to see more Jets. ASAP, please inject it into my veins. This team freaking rocks. We're going to talk about it. Before we do, I need to remind you to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. It's found under the Gangrene Nation podcast title. The series title is This Is The Jet Life. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. I had had ambitious goals of putting audio-only formatting on YouTube to keep everything linear so each week would be on YouTube. I didn't do that. Don't really know how, admittedly, and didn't spend much time looking into it, admittedly. But perhaps next week we'll be back with a video podcast following the Patriots game with Paycheck. We'll see if the schedule's aligned. We'll see if the uh, game goes well. You can look for updates, all the updates on the podcast, whether or not I'm recording them, like when I was off in Atlanta. Um, I put all those updates on Twitter, at Jets underscore Dan. It's really the only place to, to figure out what the hell's happening. But just know if I'm ever not there for a week, it's usually something comes up. Maybe I'm sick. Maybe I have a family emergency or a trip or something like that. And then I'll hit it again for the following Tuesday. At least until the season's over, that's what we're going to be doing. So that is the scoop. Sometimes video, sometimes not. But let's get into this podcast here, starting with the positives as we've been doing. And the biggest positive that we took away from this massive Jets win, one of the biggest wins in years, is that this defense can match up with anybody. I was really looking forward to the matchup on paper of the Jets defense versus the Buffalo Bills because you've got that really dangerous multi-weapon Josh Allen who can run, throw deep, throw short, he takes hits and stuff. I mean, he's a very difficult guy to game plan against, 
you got to watch a lot of different things. But the Jets did well earlier in the year against a guy that runs like Lamar Jackson. They've done really well with their outside cornerbacks covering wide receivers. They've been doing well sending four or five guys and getting pressure at the quarterback, getting quarterback hits at the very least in hurries. So I wanted to see, like, if we go up against a juggernaut, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, a good offensive line, one of the best wide receivers in the league, you know, good tight ends, good, you name it, across the board, just a really good unit. How would the Jets fare? Because we've played some pretty bad teams. We've done it well. But this Bills game, and the way the defense matched up was unbelievable. I'll say Stefan Diggs had a really big play burning Sauce Gardner on like the first play from scrimmage, which he wasn't ready for. Kind of spun him around, left him in his shoes, and Stefan Diggs made a big 40-something yard catch. After that, they basically shut him down. Didn't let Gabe Davis ever get going. I mean, they gave up some rushing yards, but it was mostly to Josh Allen. 86 yards, two touchdowns there. He was the big weapon, doing whatever he could to try to keep the team in the game. But everybody else was struggling. I mean, Devin Singletary and James Cook, the two running backs, both held for under four yards per carry. The wide receivers, when you look outside of Stephon Diggs' big 42-yard catch, he's got, what, 51 yards there. Gabe Davis had 33, Dawson Knox 25. So when the running backs, the tight ends, the wide receivers are rendered useless and all you have is a Josh Allen quarterback running around, ends up leaving this game injured, I mean, that defense, who can't they go up against? And the big worry is like, yeah, but how are we going to score? Are we going to give them short fields the way we did with the Patriots a week or so before? The Jets do just enough offensively in this game to come out with the win. 20 points is all they needed because if you hold a team to 17, like you should be able to find 20 points one way or another. We're not asking Zach Wilson to move mountains. We're not asking Michael Carter to run for 150 yards. You know, No player had an outstanding, exceptional, statistical offensive performance. It was just enough to allow that defense to work. And, man, I can't wait to keep watching this team play. To be able to get home at the opposing quarterback, sending four guys with the Jets did almost every single play in this game, is amazing. And that was the plan when they invested in John Franklin Myers, giving him that contract, paying Carl Lawson, and then bringing in all these different guys like Vinnie Curry's, drafting Michael Clemens, and Solomon Thomas, just across the board like guys everywhere. The, the goal was to have a bunch of guys that could win if you send four dudes, then have your cornerbacks, your nickels, play those zones, and you know, man up on third downs if you have to. It's been it's been a pleasure to watch. So love to see that defense work. I also like what I'm seeing. Another positive is the offensive line. I like what I'm seeing there because it's been a big question mark because we've had so many moving pieces with Elijah Vera Tucker and Makai Becton being the two biggest names on that offensive line, both not playing for the remainder of this season. Makai Becton never even suited up for a game this year. And then you got Lakin Tomlinson, who was the big free agent signing, but he's kind of been like up and down, not looking like the guy that we were hoping 100% of the time. Sometimes he has some off days. When he's looking good, he's looking good, but not that consistency you're looking for. Dwayne Brown was like this 37-year-old guy that we're going to pay all this money to for possibly two years. Like, what are we going to get there? And there were a lot of question marks. You're playing guys like Cedric Ogbui starting at right tackle, moving Nate Herbigan to right guard, but it's working. Zach Wilson is not getting sacked a ton. Well, he's getting pressured plenty and handling it not the best. He's still not getting sacked a ton. The team is rushing, you know, in this game, for example, 5.1 yards per carry. So the numbers are there, the success is there, and the penalties are minimal. And I think that's the big thing when you got guys like Cedric Ogbui playing or Nate Herbig is like, you know, they don't play a ton. They're not everyday starters. Let's hope that they're not put in bad situations where they're forced to hold and set the sticks back and give Zach Wilson, you know, a very tough task against a defense like this. And they're not doing that. So I'm very pleased with what I'm seeing there. Another positive, 
how about Garrett Wilson just being an absolute beast? 99 scrimmage yards in this game. And we've seen everybody kind of have their moments from this rookie class so far. Michael Clemens even won a special teams player of the game for this podcast. We had Brees Hall rocking it early in the season. We've had Jermaine Johnson, including this game, make some really big plays. Max Mitchell stepped in and made some big plays. Sauce Gardner is one of the best defensive players in the entire NFL. Jeremy Ruckert hasn't come on yet, but he eventually will when there's opportunities for him. And I think he's going to be a darn good player also. But this was the Garrett Wilson's week. Last week was as well, or against the Patriots. So to see Garrett Wilson back-to-back chemistry with Zach Wilson starting to get it going, he's a guy that it's more than just having chemistry and like getting the ball to him and picking up the yardage like it is with the other receivers on our team. Because the second Garrett Wilson has it, he moves in a way where you're worried he's going to get killed. His entire body, bones are going to crush because he's so slender and kind of takes some hits. But he also like shifts his body in ways where like he picks up extra yardage and can keep his balance and avoid hits, and it's pretty awesome. He's the type of guy that you get the ball to and you get more yards than expected. And I think that's super important for the Jets, especially with a young, developing quarterback like Zach Wilson, where the offense and stuff around this team, the yards aren't just there naturally. It's not Zach Wilson's not going to throw 300 by himself. Michael Carter, James Robinson, not going to have a ton of games rushing for 200 combined yards, you know, by themselves. But you do some little dump off passes. In this game, we saw a rush from Garrett Wilson that was pretty successful until he kicked the ball out of his hands. Luckily, he picked it up. This is the type of thing that you want to see for the team moving forward, not only for this year, like what we're going to do, but when you look next year, a guy like Garrett Wilson who had a couple really good games early on. That Browns game was incredible. But then he got real quiet, and it was like, man, he's not working with Zach Wilson. To see him back in there working with Zach Wilson, a great thing. And then lastly, everything is working. Right? Not just like the players, but the vision that Joe Douglas had and bringing in Robert Sala and building the culture and trying to get a winning team back in there with the right guys who want to win and they love football and good coaches and entire team turnaround, which is a big task. And so many teams have been trying to do it for so long. You see teams like, you know, the Lions are trying to do that same culture shift. You're trying to get that culture shift for a team like the Browns, who've just been beaten up for a while. The Jets have never been in as bad shape as those teams historically. But to see them doing exactly what they promised, Joe Douglas saying, we're going to build the best culture in sports. And I look around the league, and maybe there's a better game planning coach, but in terms of leader of men, I don't think there's anybody I would rather have than Robert Sala. And it's starting to see success finally. Right? There was talks like, well, hopefully he can win some games so he's not on the hot seat. We're 6-3. and three. He's a damn good coach. The culture is damn good in this organization. And Joe Douglas's plan is working exactly what we hoped. We have a bunch of guys that are easy to root for, young dudes, stars, and they're hungry, eager to win. We're 6-3. and three. We're looking at the playoffs. I mean, for crying out loud, if the Jets win a few more games, and they've really... The way I draw it up, they got three more big games on the schedule. If they win a few more, like we're going to be talking about the SB word soon, which we don't talk about unless we're talking way down in the future, like, oh, when we drafted Sam Darnold and we talked two, three years down the road. I mean, this team this year, it's dangerous, and there's not many teams. You look in the AFC, I would have said the Buffalo Bills, but you beat them to 20 to 17 with Josh Allen and those guys, most of their team healthy, you know, a few defensive players out, but. Mm-hmm. Fun time to be a Jets fan. Talking negatives real quick. This is arguably the best division in the entire NFL. Um, it certainly is in the AFC, and that's going to be difficult, right? It's just one more thing to work through. Every single team in the AFC East is over 500, so the Jets are going to have to work through all those teams. There's a scenario where they win this week, and they're in first place in the division. 
There's also a scenario where they lose and the Bills win and the Jets are in last place in the division. So big difference here. They got a lot of work to do, some really big games. But, uh, yeah, this division is legit. We still play, uh, what we got, three more division games. So those are important ones. Another negative, Sheldon Rankins going to IR. He wasn't the most dominant player on our defense, but he was absolutely a big force. Right next to Quinn and Williams, he would play a lot of snaps. Um, having him out, it's going to move Solomon Thomas up. Maybe John Franklin Myers inside a little bit more. We may be seeing a little bit more, God help us, uh, Nathan Shepard. If they decide to do something to get Jonathan Marshall or Tanzel Smart back, we'll see. I would imagine more Solomon Thomas, but it's going to be like four to six weeks for Rankins. For a guy who's fifth in the team in sacks with two sacks and has been playing well this year, even in the run game, I think he got a little bit of criticism last year for his play, even though I thought he was okay. He did have some mistakes and and did... Uh, you know, hurt the Jets a little bit at times with some of the some of the mistakes he made. But this year, he's been good, and uh, we're going to be losing him for a little bit. And the last negative is just the emotional sadness that comes with the season being half over. Like, you love the end, you love the playoffs, everything. Like, when it's week one, you're like, I can't wait to see, like, mid-season form to see where the guys are at. But then you get to mid-season, and you're like, oh, man, we only got, what, eight games left? It's just kind of a bummer because football is the greatest thing in the world, and watching the Jets, especially when they're winning, is I can't think of anything else I'd rather do. So you start to feel like, oh man, we got to start enjoying these things because they're not gonna they're not gonna last. We're gonna have another freaking offseason to have to wait through, talking draft, talking free agency. I'm not ready for that yet. We do have eight games left, but more than half gone, and the season is absolutely flying by. At least it's a fun one. But that's the positives. That's the negatives. When you talk overall. Basically, the Jets just beat one of the very best teams in the entire league. It's a division rival and an incredible bounce-back game after a less fortunate outcome versus New England a couple weeks ago. We're seeing this year that the Jets can beat any team in the league. They're a force to be reckoned with. They're still young, they're learning, and they're growing together. So mistakes, hiccups, and overall ugly games are still to be expected. But, like, with the talent we have, the bounce-back is also to be expected. Right? There's going to be hiccups. There's going to be bruises. We're going to have weeks where we're like, man... I thought they were there. This isn't what we were looking for. Zach Wilson or one of the rookies or young guys. Maybe we have an injury. Who knows? But this is the team that also has enough talent out there to bounce back, and we're seeing it. So no team in the entire league wants to play New York or see them on their schedule. Just like the Jets every single week honestly and truly believe that they can win. There's no team that they're looking at saying, we can't win. Winning a Super Bowl is crazy. It requires plenty of luck, plenty of bounces. That's like one of the biggest things in winning a Super Bowl is just lucky things happening because it's a one-game elimination. You never know what the rosters are going to look like going in. But this team, the Jets, they look for those slight openings, and they seize them, and they find ways to win. So I can't wait to see how far this team can go, honestly. We've seen them capitalize on misfortunes of other teams, big plays here and there. And at first against the Browns, you're like, man, how could they pull that thing off? That was ridiculous. But then it happens again, and you beat another team like, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers in comeback fashion. And you're like, all right, well, we're starting to see some stuff. Then you just carry them together. And then you beat the Buffalo Bills, and you're like, wait a minute. That wasn't luck. This team seizes opportunities. And if they continue to do that to a high enough level, we can start talking about the big picture, the big game we got a lot of work to go. We still have a lot of important games, still eight to go. Nothing is locked up yet. But man, oh man, to be in this position and this mind state right now, never would have dreamed of it. I mean, I dream of it, but I never would have expected it. And uh, man, it's awesome. 
So that is my thoughts, positives, negatives, overalls on this New York Jets team from this week, at least as we stand right now. But now we got to touch base with my dad, David Burnham, to see what he thinks on this week's installment of Father Time. And this one he sent to me today, but it's obviously written about the Buffalo Bills performance and then the upcoming Patriots performance as this podcast is. So this is this week's Father Time, written by my dad, David Burnham, titled Stop, Run, Run. Here we go. I love a Jets game that has so many heroes, there aren't enough Gotham Green footballs to hand out. Front to back and right to left, the Jets handled the Bills at Jet Life Stadium. Every win makes the next game even more important, and our Sunday afternoons get more and more fun, and our drive back to work on Monday mornings are so much more satisfying. With the bye week behind us, all of this seems like so long ago. But before looking ahead to Foxborough, I'd like to congratulate Minnesota and Justin Jefferson for handing Buffalo a painful home loss. The Vikings helped create a major logjam at the top of the AFC East. And our Jets, being a game ahead of New England, and with division wins against Buffalo and Miami, we're in a very favorable spot. If we keep winning. A win versus our archenemy this Sunday would mortally wound New England, send them to the cold and lonely basement, and throw their head coach into a short-term rage and long-term depression. So what's going to happen this Sunday in Foxborough? Bill Asterisk Belichick likes to take away an opponent's offensive strength. My hunch is that he'd shut down number 17 Garrett Wilson. Expect his game stats to be low, and that's fine for him to draw attention. So expect Elijah Moore to make a big comeback, and Conklin and Mims, or maybe Corey Davis if healthy, to have a good receiving game. And as it has become recently clear, pound the ball. And to stop the Patriots, simply take away their most lethal weapon, Ramondre Stevenson, number 38. I believe the Jets' corners, Gardner and Reed, and slot MC2 can match up and allow the defense to put eight in the box on a regular basis, maybe even a true 4-3 with Mosley, Alexander, and Quincy Williams for a while, stopping Ramondre Stevenson and forcing the game into the lap of Mac Jones. Jones can't beat the Jets. Allen couldn't. This is an important game. Let's be clear. A win in Foxborough puts the Jets alone in first place in the AFC East, heading into Week 13. So take a deep breath. Hold on, because as promised, this season is on fire. Go Jets. End scene. Whoa. So that is this week's Father Time, written by my dad, and it's a good one. Right away when I read this thing, my favorite line in the whole thing is, Mac Jones can't beat the Jets. Josh Allen couldn't. And yes, I know Mac Jones technically beat the Jets a couple weeks ago, but it wasn't Mac Jones. That was the Jets beating themselves. Ramondre Stevenson, as my dad said, having a huge game. Got to take that guy out of it. They tried to put, you know, Josh Allen. Can he carry the load? Can he make those big throws and run the ball and win this game against the Jets? No. He put up 17 points. The Jets win. And here we are talking about potentially being in first place in the division, going to the playoffs, and maybe making a run for the bowl. He also talks about, uh, you know, the Jets probably getting their biggest strength taken away. He mentions it being Garrett Wilson. I don't think the Jets' biggest strength in a matchup against the Patriots is Garrett Wilson. I think the biggest strength the Jets have is their defense. And to have the defense truly shine, you need to make sure that the offense doesn't mess up. And that mess up comes from Zach Wilson. The first time he played the Patriots, Zach Wilson had his career-high passing yards, 355. Because they wanted Zach Wilson to throw, they figured, you know what? Give him some yards. He'll make enough mistakes to lose this game. And he did. So I think they would allow Garrett Wilson to have 115 yards again as long as Zach Wilson throws, you know, three interceptions and gets sacked. Take that run away, make it difficult on the Jets, and that's what I think our biggest strength is, and I think that's what the Patriots are going to do. That said, that's what they did last time, so would they change it up potentially? Belichick always tries to keep you guessing. Like what my dad said, stop number 38, Ramondre Stevenson. He is the Patriots' biggest strength right now, 
is they don't want to lean on Mac Jones. They don't have the outside receivers really to do much. They want to hand the ball to Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris, and they want to throw the ball to Ramondre Stevenson. Nice big guy who's got pretty good speed, get him out in space, wearing a team down. That's their goal. If the Jets can put eight in the box and truly watch him and the Mac Jones runs, keep one-on-one coverage on the outside against the receivers, that would be crazy. We could make it a very difficult day for Mac Jones and that team. The one thing that I think is kind of crazy in this thing is he says that he expects Elijah Moore to make a big comeback. I don't see it. Elijah Moore has been absent from this offense. We see him running like pre-motion or running motion pre-snap, running in the backfield trying to like get people off sides or trying to make people shift, figure out whether it's man or zone defense before the snap. It's basically all he's doing. He's just sprinting in the backfield before the play. The second the play happens, he's not part of it anymore. So I don't know how much Elijah Moore is going to be involved. I think they're going to keep leaning on Denzel Mims. If he can get some good opportunities, those tight ends have to get in there. And if we can run the ball, I mean, that's the big thing. The first time we played the Patriots, it was James Robinson's first week. We weren't even sure if he was going to suit up. Now, James Robinson's coming off a 48-yard rushing attack, 3.7 yards per carry. Not the best, but the guy's getting worked in. He's healthy. He's ready to go. Another week healthier with the bye. So I'm excited to see what this Jets team can do. Man, it is an important game. It puts the Jets in first place if they win. It's their last game against the Patriots. If the Jets beat the Patriots, they will have split in the AFC East at the very worst because they've already got two wins. They would have three. Man. Go Jets. Thank you for the father time, Dad. Much appreciated. Now, before we go over to the... AFC East check-in, offense, defense, special teams, Patriots preview, all that good jazz. We do have to take a quick commercial break. Alrighty, and welcome back to This Is The Jet Life. The New York Jets are awesome. Let's talk about the AFC East. The Dolphins are currently in first place. They're 7-3 now. They beat up Cleveland 39-17. Jets didn't get to play, unfortunately, so the Dolphins pick up that extra one in the win column. They're half a game up, and if the Jets win... Dolphins are on by this week, then we'll have the same record, but the Jets have the tiebreak over them for beating them. Bills, they had an epic loss in overtime versus the Vikings 33-30. to My dad mentioned that one already. Justin Jefferson absolutely balled out. He was ridiculous. He helped that team win. Josh Allen had, like, his third bad game in a row with a lot of turnovers and big mistakes. And, listen, I think Josh Allen is still one of the very best quarterbacks in the entire league, but he's not perfect, and this guy right now is in his own head, and that team is falling lower and lower in the division behind both the Jets and the Dolphins right now. The Patriots are breathing down their backs, and, you know, it's just not a guaranteed thing. I think a lot of people kind of wrote everybody else off and said, the AFC East belongs to the Bills and Josh Allen, and it probably will for the next, you know, five-plus years as they gave him that massive contract. But you look at this whole thing, and it's like, we don't even have a quarterback right now. And we have the same record as that team. We have so many guys missing and injuries and stuff. They're going to say, we're missing Tredavious White. We're missing what? They have Josh Allen, and we're missing Brees Hall. You tell me which team is in a worse shape. But we're building it for the future. We're going to be a thorn in their, a thorn in their heels at the very worst. We may even be their big brother soon. If you look at the uh, Patriots and Jets, they were both on buys this week. So we talked about Dolphins are first place. They're 7-3. and three. They have a buy this week. The Jets, they're in second place at 6-3. and three. They're against the fourth place in the division. Patriots, who are 5-4. and four. This game's in Foxborough at 1 p.m. The Bills, who are in third place, also 6-3. and three. They're playing at home against the Browns at 1 p.m. Very, very likely that the Bills win. And if the Bills win and the Jets lose, the Jets will be in last place. 
if the Jets win, doesn't matter who else wins, the Jets will be in first place. So the importance of this game, obviously for the standings, but like just for everything emotionally for the fan base, it's just going to be such a big week if the Jets win to spend that whole week up in first place. If they go to fourth place, the negativity surrounding it all, that's almost the worst part of it because the Jets absolutely 1,000% can lose to the Patriots and still be perfectly fine for the playoffs. They have so many more games to come. They got seven games after this one. And if they win, you know, five of those, they'll have 11 wins. So this game isn't everything. But we're going to treat it like everything because to get to first place, wee, man, can you imagine that this far into the season? To be sitting there in the emperor's chair? Yeah, I'm dreaming of it. All right, so let's talk about the offense in this game. And we're a bit far removed the good thing is about being far removed like this is I actually got to see the All-22 film, which usually comes out on Wednesdays, so I don't have a chance to see it when I record the podcast, but this week I did. That said, we're so far away. It's been a long time since most people have seen this game, so I'm not going to talk about like specific performances and what everybody did so in-depth as, as maybe I would try to breeze through some of it. But we got to start with quarterback, and Zach Wilson's the most important one. We're not going to breeze through him because, in my opinion, he had the best game of his entire career. I know it wasn't a statistically impressive game, right? It was 154 yards with a touchdown. No interceptions. He had the fumble. So you're looking at it like, how is this his best game? Number one, you got to factor in the fact that we're playing one of the best defenses in the entire league, one of the best defenses we'll play all year, in a very important game after one of his biggest games against the Patriots. Take that away. This is his first game with over a 100 quarterback rating. It's a 101. And the reason that he got that is because that completion percentage of 72% on 18 for 25 only being sacked two times, not making those horrible mistakes, not a lot of turnover-worthy plays. Zach Wilson did so good in this game. Like, you can look at the Titans game from last year where he had a couple really nice plays, but you can kind of boil it down to, like, three big passes. When you look at this one, it was the entire body of work against a team that we thought we were going to be outmatched. And coming off that Patriots loss, where was Zach's head at? And to see him do special things, like not running around in the pocket and doing that whirling dervish thing he's been doing and spinning around, right? He got the ball out quick. It was like two seconds to throw. That's what the completion percentage was. We saw him trying a whole new style, one that we're like, listen, if Zach can just do, my dad's been saying it for weeks, right? If he can just do one, two, three, throw, or one, two, three, four, five, throw, that's when he's successful. When he starts looking at the pass rush and starts spinning around, that's when it's a nightmare. So in this game, he got the ball out really, really quick. When he had to throw the ball away, he did it quickly and decisively, not spinning around, waiting to get sacked. The guy was running for first downs at huge, huge moments, right? Like it was, I think it was only two, three rushes. Let's see what he had here. He had had five rushes for 24 yards, but two of them were really big ones to pick up first downs. And it was like, man, what a perfect time to use those legs. A couple little juke moves to get some extra yardage. Not too crazy, but the right thing at the right time. He showed trust in his receivers. Not only Garrett Wilson, who he's building chemistry with, to see that big game like back-to-back. It's great to see with Garrett Wilson. But that gutsy throw to Denzel Mims on third down and four at the very end of the game that ended up causing the Bills to use all their timeouts. We only got a field goal. First and goal, we only got a field goal out of it. But the Bills used all of their timeouts. Zach Wilson actually took a very, very smart sack on that third down play from the third and goal where if we threw a touchdown, the game was over. But he looks in the end zone. Everybody's covered. Instead of trying to force something in, he takes the sack. The Bills use their timeout. And the Jets say, let's rely on our defense. And that's exactly what he has to do. And that's the mindset that he has to have for this team to win. It literally just worked. We just saw it. That's it right there. This is Zach Wilson 
making things happen with his feet, being smart, being decisive, getting the ball to a bunch of different receivers. We saw Garrett Wilson really ball out, but he was getting it to C.J. Uzama, Denzel Mims, Tyler Conklin, Braxton Berrios, Jeff Smith. The only guy that really wasn't involved in the entire offense was Elijah Moore. For whatever reason, we'll figure it out. But man, oh man, what a freaking game for Zach Wilson. I'm really proud of him for this because I've been hard on him, and I think that he absolutely has so far to go. I mean, we're not going to win a ton of huge games. Things are going to happen to the defense. You can't win everything by defense. Eventually, you're like, all right, quarterback, time to step up. I'm not sure if he can consistently, you know, for an entire playoffs. Can you do it one game in the playoffs? Yeah, maybe. Can you do it like four games in a row in the playoffs to win a Super Bowl? That's the worry. Right now, to see him just operating within the offense where he can get comfortable against a team like the Bills, one of two matchups already out of the way, getting a win out of it, man, that is so good for him. And if he can pull this Patriots freaking win, anyway, pull it out of your butt. I don't care. Play like this. Throw 110 yards, but get the win. God, that is a, that's the dream. Other quarterback news. Mike White is quarterback two. Joe Flacco has been relegated to quarterback three. And it's just because of optimism or, or evaluation for the future. Joe Flacco, we know what he is. Mike White, time to learn what he is. Talking running backs, we had 156 scrimmage yards from this running back group. That's receiving and rushing. It was led by Michael Carter, who had a very, very nice game. I think I've been a little hard on Michael Carter this year. I loved him last year. He was awesome. I couldn't believe how many extra yards he got. This year, I'm like, I don't know if he's really an every-down type of back. He's kind of like that better third-down back that you don't want every single time. And there's definitely games where he can get stifled. The last game against the Patriots, he got stifled, and maybe they'll do that to him again. But in this game, he really rocked, and you see like, all right, this is that great Michael Carter when he can be that lead back. 12 carries, 76 yards, 6.3 yards per attempt, and the touchdown. Big game from him. He actually got out-carried by James Robinson, who had one more carry, two more catches, ended up having three more touches than him. Um, but James Robinson, less efficient, 48 yards, 3.7 yards per attempt. couple for Ty Johnson. It's a nice mix. When Michael Carter gets going, that's when this offense hums. I think it's all basically built on Michael Carter because it can't be Zach Wilson. It's got to be the run game, and James Robinson's not the guy to make those really big, shifty plays. I mean, he'll make a few here and there and some good broken tackles, but Michael Carter is the guy that you get the ball outside to, and he picks up like 20 yards when you don't expect it, and you just all of a sudden you're at midfield or beyond, and you're like, holy shit, we can score a field goal or more from here right away, just like that. And Michael Carter's the guy that does that. You need some of that home run ability without putting it in somebody else's hands. So when he hums, the Jets' offense hums, and this was a pretty good game for him. Talking about the wide receivers, first guy, offensive player of the game, Garrett Wilson, and that is not his first time getting this. This is his second time getting this honor. Obviously, the Browns game where he had the game-winning touchdown, and the other uh, big touchdown in that game was the first time he got it. And I considered giving it to Zach Wilson this week, but in reality, like, Zach Wilson had the best game of his career. But the best game of his career so far is just, like, an average NFL quarterback game. It wasn't anything to just jump off the page and be like, wow, Zach Wilson really surprised everybody and played amazing. It was just like, man, this is so much better than we've seen from him, and it's so great. But Garrett Wilson actually did have a great wide receiver game. He had eight catches on nine targets. 92 total yards receiving, seven more yards rushing. That one fumble, yeah, he fumbled it, but he picked it back up. The guy was involved over and over again. He was making big plays. He had our biggest passing game, our big, biggest passing play of 24 yards. It was 11.5 yards per catch. He got extra yardage here and there. Shifty, eluding tackles from the outside guys. 
He's a guy that I do not want to see hit by a linebacker, maybe not even like a hard-hitting safety. But when you get him lined up with a cornerback, like this guy's going to beat you in the open field many, many times. And his get-off off the line of scrimmage, there's some great clips of him just route running, getting open right away. They asked him in an interview, like, Garrett Wilson, you've been in the league for, you know, nine weeks now. What's the biggest thing that you've learned and, like, tried to adapt in your game? And he said that going from college to the NFL, you know, early on in his NFL career, he thought that maybe he could get, you know, five seconds to get open, like in college you can. But he realized that if you want to get the ball in the NFL, you got to get open quick. One, two seconds, you got to be off your guy and ready for the ball. And he started doing that and focusing on it. And maybe that lined right up with Zach Wilson getting the ball out quicker. Instead of Garrett Wilson doing a long, drawn-out route tree, and then like, okay, now I'm open. It's like, dude, Zach Wilson's already spun three times and is about to run out of bounds. You can't be doing that long thing. Garrett Wilson now getting very comfortable. I don't know. It could be a sign of things. I mean, we saw the uh, the safety group had a meeting and said, like, let's talk about communications and who's supposed to cover who deep. And after they had that meeting, we talked about it, and they really haven't made any mistakes since. Garrett Wilson now getting in and out of his break super, super fast, getting open for Zach Wilson right away. That's going to be a very, very nice thing for him, and that could be something that we utilize all year long. The rest of the receivers, you had Denzel Mims with that big, big third down catch. He almost made a really deep ball catch as well that was like just maybe barely overthrown, very tough to catch. Another one was thrown way high over his head. I think that they were difficult catches. I don't blame him for not making them, but it was nice to see him trusted at the end of the game and coming down with that big catch because that third down completion by the goal line at the end of the game, it didn't win the game for the Jets, but it put us in such a better position. And, like, I don't want to see, I don't need to see 100-yard games from Denzel Mims, two touchdowns, three touchdowns for me to think, like, all right, he's making an impact. This play right here was enough for the entire game. Yeah, it was one catch for 12 yards. But you know what? It was such a big play, and he's a part of that Jets history and this big win against the Bills, and I'm super happy for him to be there. The rest of the guys in that receiving unit, Braxton Barrios made a nice catch for six yards. Jeff Smith had a nice one for six yards. Elijah Moore, we said he didn't get targeted at all. Corey Davis, we'll hopefully get him back soon. He's day-to-day right now. We haven't gotten a lot of practices in this week, so Robert Salasid is going to see how he looks like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, decide if he uh, is good to go for this week. That would be a good one to have back because we're seeing Garrett Wilson get that chemistry. We know Corey Davis has some chemistry with Zach Wilson from what we saw last year. Braxton Barrios has some chemistry. Denzel Mims is gaining it. It's like all of a sudden you're like, man, if this thing starts to click, man, getting healthier at the right time, I love it. Just imagine if we had Brees Hall. For real, if we had Brees Hall for the remainder of the season and Elijah Vera Tucker, just imagine things went perfect. Like, we would really be saying Super Bowl bound. That would definitely be a feasible, a feasible thing. Even with Zach Wilson, like, you just run the ball 50 times a game. Man, that would have been sick. All right, talking about tight ends, I love this group blocking. I love seeing Yuzama block. Tyler Conklin had some awesome blocks, too. The All-22 film really showed me, like, how valuable those guys are on those plays. Taking not only just, like, cornerbacks or safeties or nickel guys, they were pulling, like, some defensive ends and some really, really big blocks and some big runs the Jets needed. A few catches here and there. There was a weird C.J. Uzama play that probably was intercepted. And watching it again and again, I'm like, yeah, I think... If I was a ref, I probably would have called that an interception, but Uzama got credited with the catch. He had three for 16 yards, and he's not really been a big impact player in the offense, but you saw him mic'd up perhaps on YouTube this past week in that game, and he's like an on-field leader. He's one of those guys that just has the right vibe, that right Joe Douglas mentality. 
He's there for his boys. He's getting everybody fired up, and yeah, it's good to have out there. Tyler Conklin, quiet game from him. One catch for seven yards. Offensive line, 5.1 yards per rush, only two sacks a lap. I'm really, really impressed with Nate Herbig. I think he's played such good right guard. He's like, I love Elijah Vera Tucker. But, like, Herbig is this unsung hero again and again. He had another dominant game in this one. I love it. Cedric Bowie, serviceable in two starts. We got the possibility of Max Mitchell returning soon. He just came off of IR. He's got a three-week window to, like, get back involved. And he potentially will start practicing this week. Fant should be soon after that. Um, we'll see who gets the starts when all three are available. I think Dwayne Brown, a guy that we signed him, and I was like, eh, a little old, and then he got injured, and I was like, oh, my God, what the hell? Of course he's old. He's this guy we just pulled out of nowhere. But now he's back healthy, and he's actually playing. Like, this guy gets downfield. He makes plays like a young guy. I love what I'm seeing from Dwayne Brown. Wanted to give him a shout-out. Now we got to move to the defense. Talking about the defensive line. After getting six sacks against the Patriots, the Jets come back, follow that up with five sacks against Josh Allen and the Bills. Big old game. Lots of pressures. Quinn Williams got another sack. He now has seven sacks in the season. He's tied for 10th in the entire NFL. Tied for first for all defensive tackles. He's absolutely an all-pro candidate. A major difference maker for this entire team. League take notice. Quinn Williams has arrived. He's absolutely one of the league's best. Sheldon Rankins, his counterpart, who's played most of the snaps next to him. He's hurt, going on IR for four-plus weeks. That one hurts, but we'll have another guy to fill in. Quinton Williams is the most important one, of course. I want to give a shout-out to Bryce Huff, pass rush specialist, who had a huge strip sack, potentially hurt the UCL of Josh Allen. He had big pressures at big times, had that man, that forced fumble. Like When you think about the whole thing, Sauce Gardner made that crazy play at the end of the game to win it on a ridiculous throw, but that was 4th and 21 and one-on-one coverage, and in 4th and 21 with one-on-one, that's like one of your best options. And the only reason that a one-on-one at Sauce Gardner was the best option is because it wasn't third and one. It was fourth and 21 because that huge strip sack that went rolling backwards. Yeah, we didn't pick the ball up, but man, that was almost a game winner right there. And Bryce Huff having this pure pass rush ability is the reason that Jacob Martin was expendable and he's now with the Broncos. I think that Huff needs to get more third down opportunities. I know it's nice to have like the John Franklin Myers and the Carl Lawson, some of the more veteran guys, maybe a Jermaine Johnson. We have so many. We really do. And, like, Bryce Huff isn't the guy when you have all those names and those big names, big contracts. You're like, man, I really don't see Bryce Huff, the undrafted guy, get out there. But this guy, year in, year out, he's shown that he has ability to get after the passer and no bigger time than this week. We had a nice game from John Franklin Myers, who had two quarterback hits, and I will give him credit for that interception on Jordan Whitehead where um, it was like a really ugly throw by Josh Allen. It's like, how the hell did he throw it right at the hands of Jordan Whitehead? Jordan Whitehead did a bit of a deception. He kind of went inside first and then ran out to cover the receiver, so Josh Allen didn't see him there. But John Franklin Myers was bearing down on him, and he was in his vision. So John Franklin Myers' body actually blocked the fact that Jordan Whitehead was changing direction and going back to cover the receiver. Josh Allen only saw JFM, threw the ball, outsquirts Jordan Whitehead for an easy INT. Great play there. Michael Clemens, he's been a sneaky good run stuffer this year. And then a big shout-out in this week for Jermaine Johnson, who comes back off of injury. He's our other first-round rookie from this year, and he's, like, you know, a big name for the future that we're hoping is going to be a long-term answer. Man, that play that he had sacking Josh Allen, another huge play in, like, the whole grand picture of this game. To run him down, grab him, and then hold his ankle and pull him down, a big guy like Josh Allen, most people in the league can't do that. They either get outrun or they can't bring him down entirely. 
Jermaine Johnson, man, he's showing you. He's built different. He's there to take that guy down, and he did it, and that was a huge play. Talking about the linebackers, C.J. Mosley was injured briefly. He came back, made some big plays, including a sack. We had uh, Quan and Jamie and Sherwood. Jamie and Sherwood was filling in for C.J. Mosley for that injury period. Um, those two guys combined, both getting a half sack. Quincy Williams had a couple nice tackles, a couple nice hits. Talking about the cornerbacks, coming into this game, I was, like, excited. I was nervously optimistic about the possibility of playing against Stephon Diggs because he's, like, one of the hardest covers in the entire NFL. One, because of his skill set, and two, because of Josh Allen's skill set. Stephon Diggs, in the very first play of the game, burned Sauce Gardner for 42 yards, and it's like, man, that's a good play. Sauce Gardner might be meeting his match today. This is going to be a big one. After that, Stephon Diggs finishes the game with 51 yards. That was four catches on nine targets. They were trying to get the ball to Stephon Diggs. Oh, they were trying. Ten targets in this game. But after that big play, he was almost stifled in the second half. Sauce is an absolute beast. Right? He's arguably the best cornerback in the entire NFL already. I love Patrick Sertan. I think he's one of the best. I think Sauce Gardner is right there with him. He had a massive interception in this game. He led the team in tackles. He made the game-winning pass breakup. And, of course, he's our defensive player of the game. He is unbelievable good. He's, like, got the coverage skills of Jarrell Rivas, but he's taller and he's got the body and, and size of Antonio Cromartie. It's everything you dream of of a defensive coordinator, and he has translated every single thing he had at Cincinnati into the NFL with absolutely no blemishes except for, what, one play to Stefan Diggs in the very first one? He got, like, turned around a little bit, and he's like, oh, shit, can't let that happen again, and then he didn't. Man, Sauce Gardner is freaking good. I just wanted to briefly address the uh, rumors that Sauce Gardner hand checks and gets a lot of defensive pass interferences. Not true, folks. Sauce Gardner, yes, is physical with a wide receiver. He puts his hands on them. At times, he'll grab their jersey just a little bit. He'll make contact with them downfield. The difference is he's so in phase and in stride with every single wide receiver that he covers that he's right freaking there to make that contact, that little light body bumping, because he's stride for stride with him. That's what happens when you cover a guy that well. Now, most people in the league can't do that. They're two yards off. The ball is thrown. They have to catch up. They go crashing into the guy's body. Obvious pass interference. A guy's holding, he's behind, the guy makes a big turn, oh shoot, he's still got a grab of that jersey, we can see it getting pulled, boom. Obviously that's holding or pass interference. Sauce Gardner is so close that when he's grabbing, it's like he's not even extending his arm entirely, so he can just feel where the receiver's going, and when he feels a guy pull, you let go. Jarrell Rivas made a career of this. Yes, you grab a guy at times, but you don't hinder his movement in any way. You don't alter his pattern. You just put your hand on it, it's a guiding hand, so that you can watch the ball, watch the quarterback to make your pass breakups, while still feeling where the guy's going without having to watch him. How do you know if he's going left, right, making a cut? Got that hand right on the hip? He's going to do that all year long because he's in phase right with those guys time and time again. So no, it's not defensive pass interference. That's just perfect freaking coverage. And Sauce Gardner is incredible to watch. He is so freaking good. He changes everything. He does. He changes the entire defense. And DJ Reed on the other side is almost as good as him. He had another amazing game. Great coverage. In the second half, shutting down Stefan Diggs as they moved Gabe Davis to Sauce Gardner's side a lot, DJ Reed shut down Stefan Diggs like, okay, we got to get him away from there. It didn't help. And DJ Reed made an incredible pass breakup on a deep ball, another like game-saving play. It felt like in this one, there were nine game-winning plays made by the Jets, and it was a different guy all over the field. And it's just reminding you, like, because every single guy is capable of doing this. Yeah, Sauce Gardner's capable of doing it. Quinnen's capable. John Franklin Myers is capable of getting there. 
right? Jermaine Johnson, just one after another. And I love to see it. And I'm so proud of these guys. And I love this team. Michael Carter, too. Still cool. Still a great game. Jordan Whitehead, big interception. That guy's up. The safety group is like totally changed its tune from what we saw early in the year. We got a good safety group. We're going to have Jordan Whitehead for a couple more years. Now, before we go over to the special teams, we do have to take a quick pit stop at the cooler for a little What's On Tap. That is right, folks. This is What's On Tap. And today, in honor of the big Munich Germany inaugural Germany game for the NFL, I am drinking a beer imported from Germany called Benedictiner Festbier, which is a Oktoberfest fest beer, basically, and it's delicious. It's a great beer for the fall. 16-ounce can, very German, tastes like, probably tastes like you'd imagine, a uh, typical sort of Oktoberfest. But the reason that I'm drinking this thing is because I went to a Halloween party, and I found this hilarious little mini keg, five liters of Hofbrau, and you just, like, twist out the thing. It's kind of like the old Heineken mini kegs or beer balls they used to make. They had this thing for, like, 22 bucks. I thought it was the greatest little host gift. Thank you for throwing a party. Here you go. I'm drinking it all party. I'm loving it. Next Halloween party I go to, I bring another one for that host, drinking it, loving it. And now I'm like, man, I freaking kind of love these Oktoberfests this time of year. Unfortunately, that Hofbrau is not made in cans that I can find. So this Benedictiner Fest beer was the closest thing I could find. I've bought two four-packs of it now, maybe three. And I've been enjoying it. And the NFL is playing in Germany, and I'm, you know, 50% German. I'm a mix of many different things, but... German is my forte, and I'm very, very pleased with this beer. That is this week's What's on Tap. Now, before we go over to the special teams, we do have to take a quick commercial break. Alrighty, and welcome back to This is the Jet Life. Briefly touching on the special teams here, our special teams player of the game, Greg the Leg, who made a nice 53-yard kick against the Bills, 2-for-2 two two on field goals, 2-for-2 two two on extra points. Greg has been... Hovering around that 82% mark, but he's currently up to 84% field goal percentage. That's the 15th best in the entire NFL for field goal percentage. He's got the 18th best extra point percentage at 95, which is most of them. He missed one. Some people don't miss any. He's got the 8th longest field goal kicked. So when you look at those numbers, he's basically middle of the road, maybe a little bit better than most kickers, like you know the 13th, 14th best kicker in the league this year. And from where we were with the... Sergio Castillos and the Matt Amendolos of the world, the Sam Fickens. This is a very, very welcomed thing. Proud of Greg. Happy that he came here and he's kicking well. Eddie Panera was the guy that he beat out in the offseason, and he has struggled mightily. Basically lost the game for the Carolina Panthers after a huge DJ Moore play a couple weeks ago, and I think we made the right choice. Another big special teams hero in this game, Ashton Davis who really only touches the ball for huge plays, it feels like. He had an opportunity for a direct snap, fourth down run. He picks up two yards, gets the first down. Way to go, Ashton Davis. Then, good Braden man game. He had a long punt to 63, two inside the 20. Good game there. That is our offense, our defense, and our special teams. When you talk about the Patriots game upcoming, that's the big focus now. Bill's game is the past. Amazing win, incredible. The team is 6-3. and three. We thought things were going to be different right now, and this Patriots game was going to mean even more to our entire season. But here we are feeling really good. And this is going to be a very fun matchup because the Jets could have won the first time, and now they have an opportunity three weeks later to do it again. The game is going to be 1 p.m. at Foxborough on CBS. Call is by Kevin Harlan and Trent Green. 
which is a decent crew. Trent Green is better than some, not better than all. Kevin Harlan, I think, is very good. He's funny. He's witty. I like the guy. He's got a great voice. This is the second of the two matchups. If the Jets win, I think I mentioned it earlier, the Jets will have split with the entire AFC East at worst. They will have beat the Patriots, Bills, and Dolphins with two more games to come against the Bills and Dolphins. So if they can win this one, that'd be awesome. I think that one of the big things when you're looking at the AFC East and coming into the season and stuff is like, yeah, we got a tough division. It's going to be some tough games in there. We were hoping to win, you know, maybe two or three. At this point, the Jets could be looking at winning most of them. But it's going to start here with New England. The Jets are going to be wearing spotlight white on spotlight white, I heard. So white on white should look cool. They are currently three-point underdogs. Go figure. Of course, the Jets are going to lose this game. Last matchup, the Jets played in week eight. They lost 22-17. to Bill Belichick forced Zach Wilson to throw. Zach Wilson threw. We didn't have much of a running game. Zach made mistakes. They took care of us. We ran for only 3.4 yards per attempt on 51 total yards. So we didn't have an opportunity to run a ton because we weren't holding the ball. We were giving them short fields over and over again. We had a couple bad penalties, but Mac Jones struggled himself. He did not have a great game. Pats got lucky with some calls. Stevenson was the big guy involved. You know, 27 carries for 108 yards for their running backs, Damian Harrison, Ramondre Stevenson. Then he had another 72 yards for Ramondre Stevenson. That was their big answer for the Jets' defense, and I think we're even better than we were then. More time to think about it, more time to look back on that game, and there's only so much game planning you can do around Mac Jones, and I hope that that's what happens here. You talk about this matchup, both teams are coming off a bye. The Patriots are 5-4, and four, the Jets are 6-3. and three. The Patriots currently have the tiebreaker, so in this game, if the Jets lose, the Patriots will be ahead of them in the division and will have the season tiebreaker for the remainder of the year within the division. It's a super important game for both teams. Patriots win, and they go to 6-4. and four. They're right back in there, potentially going for the division, definitely going for the playoffs. The Patriots lose. They're like, you know, at the bottom half looking into the playoffs, hoping that they can win a few more big games. They have a pretty tough, tough schedule for the remainder of the year. So we'll see what happens there. The Jets, of course, if they win, imagine being 7-3. and three. That's like, that's like crazy record. That's like 2008 Brett Favre record. And this time, it's not going to end on a Brett Favre injury. This team can go the distance because of everybody else out there. The Jets lose, and they go to 6-4, and four, bottom of the division perhaps. A lot, of, uh, a lot of weeks to go, but definitely not feeling quite as good as we would otherwise. I'm not going to go through all of the players of the defense because, honestly, we played them so recently that not much has changed. I just talked about all the guys in their defensive line, linebacker crew, cornerbacks, two podcasts ago. So if you really are interested in hearing about how the Jets could match up, take a listen to that one. But when you talk about this, Mac Jones is up and down, right? He's the kind of guy that can make big plays. He can run. He's won games. He made the playoffs last year in his rookie year, right? He was a pro bowler that year. But he also makes a bunch of dumb mistakes. And the more positions you can put him in to make bad mistakes, the better. The Jets have the playmakers on defense. They have guys who are covering tightly enough to be right there. They got the pass rush. They have to get after Mac Jones, and they can't make it easy on him. It's the same thing as like with Zach Wilson. Easy on Mac Jones would be handing the ball off, dumping it to a running back, and letting them do the work. Just like for Zach Wilson, that would be easy for him. Hand off the ball, dump it to running backs and tight ends, let them do the work. But we have so many horses out there that if we can just get after Mac Jones and tee off and not beat ourselves, we got to stop their rushing attack. They have some of the worst outside weapons in the entire league that you can face. 
I mean, Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar, even if Devontae Parker was playing, like, come on. Their tight ends are pretty good. Their old line is solid, but they've had some injuries here and there. This is an offense the Jets should be able to really, really stifle. They did it to the Bills. They could do it to Mac Jones and the Patriots. Everybody's got to show up. Everybody's got to do what they do. But we've seen it enough times to think it's going to happen. Now, when you talk about the Patriots' defense, they have a couple really good players there. Matt Judon is one of the best pass rushers in the league. He's dominating this year. I think he may even be leading the league in sacks. Feels like Devin McCourty's been playing for 15 years. It also feels like every single time the Jets play the Patriots, Devin McCourty has a big game. So we got to watch out for that guy. But when you talk about the keys to victory for the Jets, we got to run the ball successfully. We got to make Zach Wilson comfortable. Bill Belichick right now is trying to scheme up ways to make Zach Wilson uncomfortable. We got to find a way to scheme up ways to make him comfortable. The ballers need to keep on balling. We got guys like Quinn and Williams, Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, CJ Mosley. We got guys on offense, Garrett Wilson, Michael Carter. These dudes have to keep on balling, making those extra plays. Not just doing their job, doing that like, oh shit, this guy's all pro. Oh, this guy's, you know, one of the best in the league type of things. Big plays. We got to keep seeing those. We're a better team. We got to throttle them. We got to take the lead early. Get the lead first, go up, you know, 10 points or something. Put it in Mac Jones's hand, make him uncomfortable. Whoo. And then when it comes to Bill Belichick, like they always like to try to confuse you and make you uncomfortable. Quarterbacks, coaches, everybody. So we saw them two weeks ago. Expect them to change their game plan slightly, maybe variations on a theme, because I think they still want to take over the, the overall Jets mantra of run the football and keep it out of Zach's hands. I think they still want to stop that, but they're going to do it in new ways, and they're going to try to make the Jets uncomfortable. They're not going to just like do the exact same game plan we study it and say, well, this is what they did. This is how they beat it. They're already thinking two steps ahead of that. Like, Let's imagine that they're looking at this film trying to stop these things. That means we should do this instead because they're going to, you know, it's all a mind chess game with them. We have to make sure that we're ready to make adjustments throughout the game, have a backup plan. Look out for that uh, Bill Belichick sneaky stuff. Who knows? They may even be at practice recording plays and stuff, trying to sneak plays that way. It wouldn't be the first time. So watch out for them there as well. It's a big time coaching battle. This is going to be a fun one. When I think about predictions for this game, I think that the Patriots got really lucky beating the Jets the first time. I think there were some calls that didn't go our way. I think we shot ourselves in the foot. We gave them short fields. Zach Wilson played so uncomfortable. We couldn't do anything. And there's a possibility that that happens again. And he looks super uncomfortable and it's the Patriots. And it doesn't mean the season's over. It means that everyone's going to complain and have a really bad week in the fan base. But it doesn't mean the season's over. It doesn't mean the playoffs are out of sight or anything like that. It just means the Patriots have our number. But at the end of the day... I think Zach Wilson's showing growth. I think we got players out there. And I think we can make Mac Jones's night or day a living hell. I think we can do to him what the Patriots have done to Zach Wilson, Sam Darnold, and many other Jets quarterbacks. I think the Jets snap the Patriots' winning streak against us, and we win big old bounce-back game against the Patriots just a few weeks removed, 27-16. to 16. I'm predicting double-digit win here, 11 points, and you know what? It may even be more than that. I truly believe this team is better. And I think when we played the Patriots the first time, my expectations were, you know, maybe we'll win the game. But I didn't feel as confident as we do now. You know, we lost to them. We won one game. We went 500 since then. How could I be this confident? The team that I saw play against the Bills, that team, if they show up again, 
they won't have any trouble with the Patriots. Sometimes you're just a better team. And I'm hoping that's the case. I can't wait to see what happens. We've been itching for it. I've been waiting from that Bills game. Like, man, you're going to make it go two weeks now? After you play one of the best, most exciting games? Like, yes, I get to enjoy it and relish it a little bit longer. But, man, oh, man. Another win here. We've got essentially three important games left, and it ends up being the Patriots here, a Dolphins game at the end of the year, and a Bills game towards the end. The other five games, four of them are NFC teams, so not important for our playoff standings, and the other one's the Jaguars, which is not important for our playoff standings. So the only three that have real impacts in, like, seeding, and, like, if we beat them, they go down, is Patriots, Dolphins, Bills. Help ourselves while hurting another. Three more games of that. After that, it's going to be, you know, minimal consequences for losing. It's still a loss, but it's not as serious as losing to one of those AFC teams that you're battling against. The only difference is, like, you can't pick up games as quickly either. You don't have the opportunity to beat one of those teams that you need to to get your spot. So this is one of the big ones. Let's tune in. Let's have some fun. Engage with me on Twitter, at Jets underscore Dan. Rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, all that good stuff. Man, we are on a high. This is a good time to be a Jets fan. Let's hope it continues. Let's hope they go to 7-3. and three. I want to see some playoff games. That's the real... If the Jets could play, win a playoff game. I'll say win a playoff game. Like, man, I can't even imagine how good it would feel. I was a child last time they won a playoff game. So, thank you for joining me on this podcast. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life. (laughs) 